Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. Today, Pastor Larry and James Collins will be digging deeper, and James will have a moment of prophecy. The September issue of the Prophetic Observer is now available. Each month, the Prophetic Observer has timely articles about prophecy in light of today's events. An excellent outreach tool, many people give copies of the Prophetic Observer to friends and family so they can stay informed. Subscribe to the Prophetic Observer today by calling 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. The central message of the Bible is so simple that even a child can understand it. Yet every reader of the Bible knows that God's Word is thought-provoking. Haven't you read the Bible and had questions about what you're reading pop into your mind and wish that you could go dig a little deeper? Today, our host, Dr. Larry Spargimino, is joined by staff evangelist James Collins to look at a number of relevant questions that every Christian has asked at one time or another. Life is filled with questions. Some questions are sort of trivial. For example, yesterday I wanted a cheeseburger, so I had to decide, do I want to go to McDonald's or Dairy Queen? That was a trivial question. But there are some questions in life that are crucial. There are some truly crucial questions that we must know the answers to. Thankfully, God's Word has the answers to life's most important questions. One of our most popular segments on the Watchman on the Wall is Ask Pastor Larry. Now, in that segment, our host, Dr. Larry Spargimino, gives biblically-based answers to questions that are sent in by our listeners. Today, Pastor Larry is with me to talk about his fantastic book titled, Digging Deeper, Questions and Answers on the Bible, the Christian Life, and the End Times. Pastor Larry, thanks so much for sitting down with me to answer some questions and talk about digging deeper. Great to be here, James. This book, I think, is very important because these are real questions. Yes, sir. Well, I think this book, Digging Deeper, is one of the best things that you've written. It is so full of biblical wisdom. Tell me, what was your purpose in writing Digging Deeper? My real purpose was to answer some of the many questions that people always ask. And after being in ministry for maybe more than 50 years, I can say two things. Number one, the Bible is very simple. Even a child can understand the Bible. It was given that way. You don't have to be a great theologian. On the other hand, I found that the more you dig into the Bible, the more you want to learn. Digging deeper recognizes these two emphases of the Bible that on the one hand is very simple. Anybody can understand it. An honest question, and there are a lot of honest questions. Questions that are raised are not necessarily to trip up anyone, but they're honest. People want to know an honest question demands an honest answer. So, You know, when I was a young Christian, I had tons of questions, and we've all had tons of questions. Interestingly, I still have questions. (laughs) As a matter of fact, the more I learn, the more questions I want to ask. So reading this book is kind of a learning experience. Number one, we will learn some of the answers. Number two, as we dig deeper, we will find more amazing things in the Word of God. The book, Digging Deeper, really flows well. Now, how have you organized the book? 
The book, I think, is user-friendly. I know I could have a couple hundred questions just thrown out helter-skelter and nobody would know where to look. But there are actually 12 categories of questions. For example, questions about Jesus Christ, questions about the Christian life, questions about the church and church life, questions about specific Bible texts, many other questions. For example, general questions about Bible prophecy, specific questions about Bible prophecy, questions about contemporary issues. And I think that's really a very helpful section. What does the Bible say about smoking? Is gambling an act of faith? Recovery groups and group therapy? Jewelry on Christian women? Should Christians celebrate Christmas? What's wrong with Halloween? The Gospel of Judas. A lot of people ask questions about the Gospel of Judas. So there are questions about contemporary issues. Then there are theological questions, miscellaneous questions, and 12 categories that I think focus on questions that people ask, and they are good questions. A lot of the questions in the book that you address deal with contemporary issues, issues that are not directly addressed in the Bible, such as should a woman not work outside the home and should Christians take part in the space program? How do you answer those questions? Well, you're right. There are some issues that are not directly addressed in Scripture, like about the space program. What does the Scripture say about the space program? What does the Scripture say about gene splicing? What does the Scripture say about artificial intelligence, for example? However, the Bible gives some principles about all of life. There's really, as Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, there's really nothing new under the sun. (laughs) It's all basically the same. So I kind of look at the biblical principles and try to apply them to some of these contemporary issues. For example, the space program has cost us billions and billions of dollars, and a lot of people say, well, I think it's useless. What good is that? Well, actually, as you look at the space program, there are lots of things that can help us. For example, I understand heart technology, surgery, microplastic surgery, nanotechnology, all of these things that really apply to helping people get well, live longer, live more fulfilling lives. Answers to these questions and techniques are coming out of the space program. Another thing that I think is very important about the space program is that space is now being militarized. The U.S., but especially China and Russia, They want to bomb us from outer space. They want to take out our satellites so we will not be able to communicate. Well, I would say with all these enemies that we have, we need to know what about the space program? How can we respond? What kind of defensive weapons can we have? What kind of offensive weapons might we need to develop? So I think a lot of people especially Christians, they think a lot of this stuff doesn't relate to anything. I beg to differ. It really does. We need to stay abreast of everything, and what we learn can have many, many practical applications. Well, if you're just tuning in today, my guest is Pastor Larry Spargimino, and we're talking about his book, Digging Deeper, Questions and Answers on the Bible, the Christian Life, and the End Times. You can get your own copy by calling one 800 65 That toll-free number, once again, is 1-800-652-1144. Or you can order online at swrc.com, swrc.com. There's so much godly wisdom in this book, you should definitely get a copy for yourself. 
Pastor Larry, there's a lot of news about the environment, and there's a push underway for this Green New Deal. And it seems that one of the major causes of the progresses is to save the planet. Should Christians be concerned about the environment? Yes, absolutely yes, but now not not for the reason that the left-wingers claim, but caring for the environment, James, is a part of Christian stewardship. Christians should have a very high respect for the environment because the environment is God's creation. Just as a great work of art tells us much about the artist, so God's creation tells us much about God. When I think of some of the things that people do to destroy the environment because of greed and selfishness, because of a desire to, well, give me, give me, give me, I don't care what happens to a mountaintop, you know, where these mountains are denuded and destroyed, and then when it rains, there's a flood and a village in the valley is destroyed, and so on and so forth. So I think we should have a great deal of concern for the environment. Now, Some of the radical environmental movement blame Christians for the abuse of the environment. Now, I don't believe you can blame us for the abuse of the environment. As a matter of fact, they cite Genesis 128, where God told man to subdue the earth and have dominion over all living things. But dominion does not mean destroy. They think that dominion means destroy. It doesn't mean that. Rather, it suggests that the created world is to be used for the glory of God and for the good of all his creatures. So, yes, I know those who are on the opposite side of the fence try to say, well, you know, you believe in a creation mandate, a dominion mandate. That's why the world is being destroyed. It's your fault. Now, I think they're just using that against us to justify their own progressive left-wing ideas. So, in short, yes, we should be concerned about the environment. When I was growing up in southeast Oklahoma, the timber industry is very big in that part of the world, and some of the best environmentalists were people who worked in the timber industry because they would harvest the timber, they would come back in, they would plant, they took care of the land, and it was amazing to see growing up. Many Americans are hunters and fishermen, and they say, oh, that's awful. You know, the liberals say, oh, that's awful, but guess who is really concerned about the environment? Guess who's concerned about marshes and estuaries and wants to have vast areas of forest where the deer and the antelope could roam? It's the hunters and the fishermen. When you think of the price of the duck stamp and some of the portion of the sales of shotgun ammunition, duck hunting ammunition, actually goes to the environment. So it's really amazing how wonderful we see God's goodness and his grace giving us streams and lakes. I think you're a fisherman. I know I used to be a fisherman. I would like to fish more. I don't have time for it. But thank God that there are hunters and fishermen who can care for the environment. Well, here's another question that a listener sent in. In Titus 2, 4 through 5, the Apostle Paul counsels the older women in the church to teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home. Now, do the words keepers at home mean that a woman should not work outside of the house? I think what those words mean is that the primary focus of a woman's life and purpose is to be the home. But, of course, that's not the only focus. Okay, I think there are some 
do I want to call the male chauvinist or <laughs> who would say, yeah, you're supposed to stay in the home and nothing else. I don't Barefoot th- and pregnant and in the kitchen, right? Right. Uh, that's exactly what some people say. So, yeah, I do think keepers at home means uh, that's the focus, but that's not the only focus. And we should note that when the apostle writes that the young women are to be keepers at home, good, obedient to their husbands, the reason he gives for this is that the word of God not be blasphemed. You see, the stability of the home and the appropriate maintenance of the God-given roles for spouses says much about the Word of God. If there's a breakdown in the family, the Word of God is maligned. We certainly don't want that. Furthermore, workplaces can be, in many situations, many times very unspiritual. The high level of stress associated with the workplace demands long hours, and women who do work, sometimes they have very long hours. Furthermore, What about the children? Who's caring for the children? A lot of times they say, well, we'll just put the child out with daycare. But a lot of daycare places are unhealthy, unsanitary. And furthermore, some of the things that they teach kids are just devastating to the soul. So to make my answer brief, Keepers at Home doesn't limit a woman to the home. But if a woman does have a lot of experience, a lot of knowledge, hey, that's great. But be very careful about what happens to your home. And don't allow your home to go down, down, down where the Word of God is maligned. Well, my guest on the program today is Pastor Larry Spargimino. We're talking about his great book, Digging Deeper. I'm sure that If you're listening today, you'll want to have your own copy of this great book, Digging Deeper. You can get a copy by calling 1-800-652-1144, or you can order online at swrc.com. This is a fantastic resource that will help you in your Christian walk, or you could get a copy for a friend or family member that has questions about the Bible. Why not get a copy for your pastor? This book will certainly be a blessing to him. Pastor Larry and James Collins will continue digging deeper next time. Get your copy of the complete conversation of Digging Deeper by calling 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. You can also order online swrc.com. In our Resource Center today, we have Dr. Larry Spargimino's book, Digging Deeper. Digging Deeper answers questions on the Bible, the Christian life, and the end times. Over 100 questions are answered in this timely book. Get your copy of Digging Deeper for a gift of $20 or more when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. You can also order online swrc.com. That's swrc.com. Larry Stamm is a teacher and author. He has a brand new book entitled The Jewish Roots of Christianity that will be debuting in October. Right now, he's here to look at the Bible through a Jewish lens on today's Messianic Minute. Shalom, friends. Larry Stamm here with the Messianic Minute, Biblical Connections Through a Jewish Lens. In Psalm 2, 6 through 8, King David wrote these stunning prophetic words about the future kingship of the Son of God. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me, 
You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. And at the baptism of Christ in Matthew 3.17, God the Father reveals and affirms that Jesus is the Son of God, saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. As God's people, may we praise the King of all kings, Jesus the Son, who is sovereign over all the earth. For more connections, visit our website at LarryStam.org or see our Larry Stam Ministries Facebook page. Did you know that our website, swrc.com, now has over 800 prophecy materials, books, and DVDs that help bring clarity to the chaos? New items are being added almost every day. swrc.com. Resources by Larry Stam. Avi Lipkin, J.R. Church, Bill Federer, Larry Spargimino, Tom Horn, Mark Hitchcock, James Collins, Dr. Kenneth Hill, Billy Crone, and many, many more. Hundreds of books and DVDs right there for you, your Sunday school, homeschool, or small group. SWRC.com. That's SWRC.com. And we're able to bring sense to the nonsense here at Watchmen on the Wall because of your prayers and financial support. When you purchase a book or DVD, when you attend a conference, when you subscribe to our monthly Prophetic Observer, when you invite others to tune in, you are helping us spread the truth that God is still on the throne and prayer changes things. Thank you. Staff evangelist James Collins returns now to look at two of the most significant signs that point to the soon return of Jesus Christ. The past two years have certainly been full of surprises. We have seen wars and rumors of wars, including the recent Taliban takeover of Afghanistan. We have seen the birth of the COVID pandemic, the burning and looting of American cities, political unrest in Israel, the Abraham Accord peace process in the Middle East, major earthquake devastation, serious famines, and increasing crime. We have seen our nation become more and more divided, a presidential impeachment, a move to defund the police, and election corruption. We have seen monuments being removed, a riot in our nation's capital, and routine violence and murders in American cities. Most people have become desensitized to the awful horrors that we have seen in just the past 18 months. This is mainly because these shocking events have become commonplace. They happen back to back and over and over. In Matthew 24, 8, the Lord Jesus Christ predicted this would be the condition of the world at the end of the age when he said, all these things are the beginnings of birth pangs. Now, every woman that has ever given birth to a child has an advantage in understanding what the Lord Jesus Christ meant by that statement. In childbirth, contractions or birth pangs start gently and they're not so frequent. As the time comes closer for the birth to actually take place, those birth pangs increase in both frequency and intensity. In many cases, the birth pangs get so intense, the woman needs to be sedated to enable her to tolerate the pain. And that is exactly the picture that Jesus was illustrating for us when talking about the signs at the end of the age. 
Jesus indicated that there would be certain events and conditions that would announce his return. The writer of Hebrews echoed this fact when he wrote in Hebrews 10.25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. Notice he uses the phrase, as you see the day approaching. That means that there are certain things we can observe to mark for us that the day is approaching. There are those who do not believe that there are any signs to be observed concerning the second coming of the Lord, but that's in direct contradiction to what the Bible says. There are others who believe that there are signs to look for, but they're not certain as to what those signs are. The Bible is full of answers concerning this question that everybody should be asking in light of current events. What are the signs that indicate the coming of the Lord is near? Now, for the next couple of moments, I want to focus on two of what I believe are major signs that we should be looking for. But before I look at those signs, I want you to know that there are no signs to be observed to mark the appearing of the Lord for His church. The rapture is imminent. The rapture could happen at any moment. The Lord will appear in the clouds to remove His church from the earth before the seven-year tribulation begins. But the two signs that I want to talk to you about today are indications that the seven-year tribulation is drawing close. If we see that the tribulation is drawing near, we know that the coming of the Lord for His church is that much closer. The first sign that I want to talk about is Israel. I believe the modern state of Israel is the most important of all the signs. It is the super sign. All the other signs are dwarfed in significance to this one sign. Overemphasis of it is really impossible. In 70 AD, in fulfillment of Deuteronomy 4.27, the Romans came into Jerusalem and devastated the people in their city. And the Jews were scattered from that point in time all over the world. They remained scattered until the turn of the 20th century. Many prophecies in the Bible predicted that the Jews would not remain scattered, but they would return to their land at the end of the age. There are some theological skeptics who believe that the prophecies that call for Israel to return to their land was fulfilled when the Jews returned originally from Babylon. While there were some prophecies fulfilled at that time, it cannot be said that all of the prophecies concerning their return to the land were fulfilled. For example, Isaiah 1.11 says, And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people, which shall be left from Assyria and from Egypt and from Pathros and from Cush and from Elam and from Shinar and from Hamath and from the islands of the sea. And notice the Bible says the second time. The return from Babylon was the first time the Jews were returned to their land. And notice also the different places the Bible says they'll return from, not just Babylon. The Jewish return to the land of Israel that we are seeing today is the second time that they are being restored to the land, just as Isaiah 11.11 says. This is of major prophetic significance. It is estimated that there are 15 million Jews in the world, and almost 7 million have returned to the land of Israel. They are literally returning from all over the world. God has promised that only a remnant will be saved, as the Bible says in Romans 9.27. 
Isaiah also crieth concerning Israel, though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, a remnant shall be saved. A remnant is already gathered there. Could the gathering of the saints to meet the Lord in the air be very far behind? The second sign of prophetic importance is the new world order. The Bible predicts in Revelation 13 that there'll be a world government in the end times headed by one individual, the Antichrist. He will cause everybody to receive a mark on their forehead or on their right hand so that they might buy or sell. In discussing this future world leader, the prophet Daniel tells us this one will come from the people who destroyed Jerusalem and her temple. And there could be no mistake made here. Jerusalem and the temple were destroyed by the Romans in 70 AD. So there must be a restoration of the declined Roman Empire in the last days. Many scholars feel that the European economic community, the European Union, is that revived Roman Empire. And this makes sense since the countries that now make up the European Union involve much the same real estate that the Roman Empire controlled. Austria, Belgium, Bulgaria, Croatia, the Republic of Cyprus, Czech Republic, Denmark, Estonia, Finland, France, Germany, Greece, Hungary, Ireland, Italy, Latvia, Lithuania, Luxembourg, Malta, the Netherlands, Poland, Portugal, Romania, Slovakia, Slovenia, Spain, and Sweden are the countries that currently make up the European Union. Now, even though the United Kingdom left the EU through Brexit, there are many that believe they will return, and the European Union has expansion plans to grow. A common army has already been established in the EU. There are 446 million people in the EU. That makes them the world's third largest population after China and India. In Daniel chapter 7, it is predicted that the last Gentile ruler that would be in power when Jesus Christ would come to earth to establish peace forever would be the Romans. Since Jesus has not returned and his return is yet future, it's logical that there'd be a revival of this Roman power. And we're seeing that right now. We're seeing this Roman power being reshaped right now. I believe that it is this expanding Gentile power that will produce the final world leader, the Antichrist. The stage is being set. Things are falling into place just as the Bible predicted in the end days. The rapture of the church could happen at any moment. You had better get ready or get left. This is James Collins reminding you that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. James Collins has a brand new book coming out this fall entitled The Twelve, Ancient Messages of Hope for Today's Dark World. Be sure and stay tuned for your chance to get this important new book. We want to let you know about the brand new email newsletters that are going out to thousands of inboxes every week with the latest information on current events in Bible prophecy and special video messages from our speakers. Get these email newsletters free of charge and stay informed. Sign up at swrc.com or call 1-800-652-1144. Remember our resource spotlight today, Dr. Larry Spargimino's book, Digging Deeper. Digging Deeper answers questions on the Bible, the Christian life, and the end times. Over 100 questions are answered in this book. 
Get your copy of Digging Deeper for a gift of $20 or more when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. You can also order the book online, swrc.com. That's swrc.com. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com. That's swrc.com.